Here I go again on my own. You're not on your own, buddy. Okay. Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> oh. I knew that's where you were going to go. Uh, yeah, where all, where all, I mean, come on, what are we doing? I mean, the thing is, like, you're saying that, but, like, don't give me no lines, okay? <laughs> I hate all when right, you give me lines. Hold on. Ready, ready, ready. Got this. All right, come on, come on. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Totem Talks. We have Season 5, Episode 24. It's Pent Ultimate. We are, we are getting ready to wrap this puppy up in a pretty little bow and send it on down the river where we will then accept Season 6. What a terrible uh, thing to do to a puppy. <laughs> no, no, I meant like, like Moses in the basket. Oh, okay. Wait, that was also pretty bad. They abandoned that kid. Yeah, you shouldn't. you shouldn't put like infants in a basket in the river i don't know if anyone i don't know that. man i read that book <laughs> i'm pretty sure it works it's not out a fine. good thing to like i feel it. you will get arrested <laughs> right either way now. regardless welcome in thanks for hanging out with us here as we continue our mythical musical quest to determine the musical best and uh i think we are uh we're well on our way I agree. Uh, maybe you've already found them. Who knows? Maybe I, there's a there's a strong argument. Maybe we found them this episode. We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. Before we get too far into that, if you fan that we never ended up naming, we just never ended up naming them totem heads. We we kind of played with a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, they're the to. If if it's totem talks, we could just call them the poles. Sure, I'm okay. I mean, it's we taken, can pull but the poles. Also, yeah. Uh, either way, thank you for coming in and listening to us each and every week. And if you are enjoying yourself, please feel free to like, comment, subscribe, share the podcast, share the wealth and the riches with the world so uh, they too can criticize our musical knowledge. Right. And uh, that's really the whole point is just to say, look at these two big doofs not knowing anything. Yes, that is correct. That is that is quite the... Uh, that's that's the only response we're looking for, yeah, honestly. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> well, Nick. Well, today. Yeah, why don't you let us know that today, who are these dudes talking about? We're going to be talking about 10CC, and then White Snake, and then the Georgia Satellites. And sure. That's what we're going to do. That is what we're going to do. <laughs> what a week. What a week it was. Uh, what a, yeah, what, a, what an entire, what a year it's been, Nick. I know. Crazy. We are, we're 12 days into this year. I feel like I feel like I'm ready for 2024. I mean, to be honest, it's uh, been it's been one hell of a year. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'll take us into 10 CC. That's not what the graphics supposed to look like. I'm leaving this in 10 CC. Uh, so 10 CC are an English rock band formed in Stockport. In 1972. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait, I I'm sorry. You. I said that wrong. I said that wrong. Okay. 10CC are an English rock band formed in Stockport in 1972. The group initially consisted of four musicians, uh, which one of whom is m maybe my favorite name ever on the <laughs> podcast. Yes. We've had some killer names. Yes, I know. But we're talking exactly. Graham Goldman. Eric Stewart, Kevin Godley, and Lol Cream. Lol Cream. <laughs> Lol Cream. I love it. I'm. What I love Lol Cream. So anyway, uh, they were active on and off. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna deep breath here. 1972 to 1983, 1991 to 1995, 1999 to the present day. Yes. So there we go. And the three records that we chose. After an arduous screening process. Yes. Were, drum roll please, 10CC, the eponymous debut. Really happy for that one. Uh, then we followed that one up with Bloody Tourists. And then we closed things out with Mirror, Mirror. Yes. So, Nick, I've been talking a lot. Why don't you, you go have. ahead and, Shut up. and start <laughs> us off? All right. I would love to. So, I had never heard this record before, um, as I'm sure that we'll talk about 10CC, at least in the States. 
it has two big hits. And we did not cover either one of them in any of these three albums, and I was kind of surprised. But anyway, so this was all new to me, and I and I didn't really know entirely what to expect because I only knew uh, I'm not in love in the things we do for love. So I was really intrigued, like right from the first song. I, I feel like the compositional style uh, had my interest peaked. It felt sonically like it was ahead of its time of what they were doing. And the, just all the way throughout, like, things were just very interesting, interesting to me. So, okay. like, it was always just like, huh, like, who thinks to write like that? Like, how creative and different the, the approach that they take songwriting. Like, it very much reminded me uh, of, like, the songwriting approach of early Zappa and Mothers of Invention albums, where there's, like, tons of different vocalists and styles and each songs like will sometimes experiment with multiple styles and like five different vocalists within the song like you never know what's going to happen sure and they have like a little bit of that tongue-in-cheek kind of humor and nods to other artists in their lyrics and stuff like that like so to me it was like almost like a cleaner cut not quite as wild of mothers of invention album um it just in the approach to writing overall, which I enjoy. I, I like that experimentation. I like hearing a group that's just writing music that doesn't sound like an album that anyone else was going to put out. And that's what I will say. Sure. And listen, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. It was very uh, – the word that I had was eclectic. It was, mm-hmm. it was an interesting mix of things. It didn't sound prototypical of the time period, which I'm always enjoying. Yeah. You know, like, don't get me wrong, 70s rock and late 60s, early 70s rock and pop, like, it has a very definitive sound that stands the test of time, and I completely get that, and it's a great sound, but it's always interesting when you have somebody from that time period completely not sound like that, mm-hmm. and I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, there's a little bit of pitfalls here. I mean, we're not we're not talking, like vocal powerhouses or things like that we're not talking uh nothing really stood out to me where i was like i'm hearing a true virtuoso performance here but in terms of creativity they definitely get some bonus points for me as well uh i think the singles that guy that came out especially i liked rubber bullets which was a mm-hmm. b-side that was interesting that was a really interesting song for me uh all in all i enjoyed it it was a like not love for me but it definitely gets points for creativity. Definitely. Uh, so I'll take us into Bloody Tourists, uh, which came out in 1978. So we're about five years in the future here. Mm-hmm. And, and they've defini- been putting out an album every year. Yes. Which I think is interesting. That is interesting. They are uh, definitely a, a writing in a decent clip, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And I think you can definitely hear because of the speed with which they're writing that they are really changing their sound around. This is a, a completely different vibe. Like, this is way more of, like, it's got some funk in it, a little bit of reggae at times, some uh, some yacht rock hanging out in the, yep. in the group here. Mm-hmm. And we're talking a completely different sound from the same group and another strong showing in terms of the creativity. Again, you're getting some of those similar pitfalls, I think, where like they have multiple lead vocals going on, like Goldman and Stewart kind of trade off on them, mm-hmm. uh, and neither one are great. They're not bad, but they're right. not great. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think what they lack in terms of like vocal prowess or maybe like a specific instrumental prowess, this is a group that makes up for it with a lot of creativity and experimentation, which keeps your ear engaged. You don't feel like you're getting bored. You don't feel like they're kind of screwing it up or doing something wrong. You're getting like an enjoyable listen if you're especially the more musically inclined you are because you're going to be listening to the intricacies. Like this is a group that maybe if you're just less musically inclined, you you may just kind of be like, it's okay. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. but if you start to really listen for those creative pieces, you'll hear them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so that's, I, I kind of snuck that in at the end like, the album overall is like very easy listening as far as I, like it's very easy to like just to kind of put 
on and here in the background and it's pleasant sure. always but what's going on beneath that is exactly what you said like the creativity and the the super varied songwriting is spectacular here like as a songwriter and and someone who's really interested in the art form like i felt like these guys were putting on a clinic at this point and like how sure. to have like such a unique sound how to incorporate multiple different sounds that you would never think could go together into one song like you just would never know where things were going to go next um and they do that instrumentally and they do that with the vocals um the way that they're composing everything i honestly think that they're probably in terms of songwriting and and composition if not definitely the best of season five they they're right up there because i don't remember anyone really catching my ear with every song uh like this so far this season yeah so uh major points there like i think it's not like i even it wasn't one of those records where i was like i need to listen to this over and over and over again i love it so much i was just fat i think fascinating is a better word than like love for for their music and i don't mean that to be negative but like there's some artists where i've just been like oh my god i've never heard this song before but i love it this is incredible i can't wait to put this back on my uh playlist and, and listen to this <laughs> right. album again and again and for them it was just like being in the moment i was like oh my god i can't wait to hear what's going to happen in the next five seconds um so anyway understood i'll move on to mirror mirror mirror, which, mirror on the wall uh at this point I believe it was just a Stuart and um, Graham Goldman kind of yeah. thing. Um, they're the two people left in the group, and everyone else is just kind of contributing things that you know they're playing. Um, uh, Lowell Cream was back in for one track, um, but other than that, it's like a two-man band. I do miss the Lowell Cream. I do. I do, too. Uh, but what's really interesting is the fact that some of this album and some of the music was co-written and co-composed with Paul McCartney. Um, who, yeah, I saw that. My favorite thing is that Paul McCartney is credited with playing the frogs and the crickets on this album. <laughs> I, I, I love stuff I was like that. that up, but like he was... <laughs> He was credited for playing frogs and crickets. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing? Um, here's what I'll say. This one was the third of three for sure. Um, yeah. It was a weird sound to me. Like, it kind of tracks because they're a band that's just going to constantly develop and change and constantly develop and change. Um, but I think at this point, they've gone in a direction for the first time where I'm like, really questioning the songs uh some of the lyrics were a little bit weird all the music was like laid back and pleasant it had like kind of an islandy uh yacht rock type feel to to a lot of it but i also think that this album was like almost two solo projects like it was what was sure working on what was goldman working on and then they were just like all right well we'll probably sell more records if we come back and put this out under 10 cc so let's do that uh, yeah, listen, I get where you're coming from with that. Uh, this is definitely the third of three for me. Uh, it just feels like it loses a little bit of the spark. Uh, one thing that I enjoyed besides Paul McCartney, uh, shout out to another one of the writers on this, Tim Rice, mm. who is huge in like theatrical worlds. Uh, so Tim Rice has written for, I mean, you'll know some of these, Nick, like sure. Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, yeah. uh, Aladdin, Lion King on Broadway, Aida, like a ton of huge Tim Rice projects. He's worked with Angeloid Weber and yeah, he's worked right. with uh he's worked with uh some members of ABBA. So I can I can do this real quick. Sure. I mean Paul McCartney could have done that for as well. I could have, but Paul <laughs> McCartney listen, that's an easy one. That's always an easy one. It is. Uh ABBA's from this season, so true. Uh just things like that. He's also uh he also wrote the lyrics for uh oh what is it? I'm gonna forget the name. The Road to El Dorado. Okay. Which is an, a Disney one, which honestly, I'm or DreamWorks, not Disney. That's DreamWorks. I don't know. I ain't never seen it. That's what? Come on, man. Childhood in in one, no. the no. city of gold, El Dorado. I got nothing. For you. <clears throat> uh, re- regardless, this album was a too long. 
yeah. uh, for what it was. I mean, the the albums kept getting longer. They went from like 35 mm-hmm. minutes to 49 minutes to this one's like about an hour to a little right. over an hour. It's too long for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as good. It's at best have has hints of the of where we were before. Right. But it's just not quite there. Uh, and and that's kind of the best I can say about it. Sure. So uh, let's grade them. All right. I agree. So here's the thing. They're going to do better than what they would do in the United States. In the U.S. Sure. That's like I said. I mean, they're particularly known for I'm Not In Love and especially the things we do for love, um, which yeah. will. But they were consistently top 10 charting for a stretch. They had a one, two, three, five album stretch where they were top 10 in the UK. And all these albums were going gold or silver in the UK. And they were going gold in Australia and Canada um, and the Netherlands. Like they were doing well in Europe for sure. Yes, uh, that is all well and good. And I completely understand where you're coming from. And I'm not arguing for them to get like a one. No, God no. But but we're not but, going high here. No, I was arguing for like they should be like in the three neighborhood. Like a three. A three is kinda high for me. Is it? Not like crazy high, but I was I would have been maybe in the twos. Hmm. I I mean here's my thing. Like this is a group that I have now heard of because of this podcast. So for me, I have nothing on them. And when I was researching them a little bit, I have, I listened to their big songs for the first time ever in my life. That's crazy. You've never heard the things we do for love? No, I mean, never, never putting together that that was a song that I've heard before when I listened to it. Wow. So I don't know. <clears throat> so again, I I'm willing to defer to you a little bit on this score. Sure, and I because... I feel like I'm deferring to like having looked at the chart success throughout Europe and yeah. Australia and Canada, and thinking like, well, clearly this was a man that had a good following all over the place. I completely understand. So whatever score you want to give them, I'm fine with. I'll give them the three because for me they were a point one going into today. Crazy. Well, not today, but going into the list. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. All <clears throat> right, breadth of work. So uh, we're starting with 11 records, so that puts them at a 5.8. I think all of their sales, um, while they only have one gold single in the United States, they've gone gold and platinum in other countries enough to the point where I at least think there's no way we can knock them. If okay. anything, they'd be getting like a point one for me. I'm down to not knock them. I'm looking at their uh, their discography here. The numbers that that would require to hit those thresholds, I'm fine keeping them where they are, I think. Okay. So uh, then I'm going to give them a point two for the quality and put them at six. Okay. So you want to give them a point two. <sighs> I mean, thinking about it, I definitely liked the creativity and, st- and, and, and kind of joie de vivre of the first two albums more so than the last album for sure. Uh I'm tempted to just kind of keep them flat. All right. I, I think I don't think I want to be adding points. They were good, but I I don't want anything. All right. Uh, for instrumental talent, I think you kind of mentioned some of the things, but here's what I'll say. Regardless of like not having those like big standout moments, um, yeah. The compositions that they came up with were so complex that you just have to be an above average musician to to play them. Sure. Like they're just really really good compositions that even if there's not like showy performances you're just above average to make this happen and have it sound good and be tight with the rest of the group um so i'm in the fives i can understand that i can i can get where you're coming from with it the complexity of the material adds a little bit to the overall skill level 100 i i'd be fine being in the fives too i mean we're also just to be clear, like we're not talking like very high because there's not anything in here where I'm like, holy crap, like this guy can play 
he's he's shredding on it or he, or that lick right, was insane. But, it's just like the overall feeling of the complexity. Yeah, because you're thinking like if if there's a man that's putting out three and four chord songs, but they have a really good lead guitarist, and everything else that they're doing is so simple that a a twelve year old yeah. taking his first first guitar lesson could do it. Like versus songs that are consistently kind of more difficult yeah. to play. I totally so get I where like, you're coming from. Yeah. Um, more like a five and a half ish. Uh, a five and a half is perfect for me. Okay. And now song rank talent. I mean, I said it while we were going it. I think it's a good they score. have to really be in score. contention for like the best of the season. Because like the first two albums, I would easily be in the eights. I mean, they were insanely good. Yeah, the first two albums were very creative and interesting and intricate. Yeah, uh, I'm okay with the last album bringing them, them down. The last album the brings them down, bit, but it's certainly not out of the sevens. No, 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 no. I think the sevens is a good spot for them, uh, especially the total volume of albums as well. Yeah. So it, they did it over a, a consistent period of time, uh, and the fact that we got a pretty good mix of their stuff. So yeah, we got their first album, like their fourth or fifth album, and then their last album. Right. So it was a good mix, and it kind of showcased that. You know, they were pretty consistent throughout their career that as well. All of that is good stuff. So I would be fine giving them a, a decent score here as well. Maybe like a seven. How does a 7.6 sound, Nick? I was thinking in my head a 7.7. Seven. So I'll come down to you that this time. Okay. Uh, and there then Poetic Talent. I'll say this. I <sighs> heard one or two questionable things on the third album, but I th- th- thought everything else was fine. Yeah, that it was it was very middle of the pack vocally or lyrically. I mean, I have nothing to write home about. I I I started in the first album listening for lyrics specifically and they were just to be honest pretty forgettable. Sure. Like I couldn't at the end of the album pick out normally uh, a little peel back into my process as I'm writing notes, I will write a line of a lyric that I want to then go back and read later okay. to make sure that it was what I thought it was. So then I, when I talk about it on the podcast, I have a little bit more of a clue. Yeah. Uh, I had nothing. Sure. I just, everything was just very forgettable lyrically and maybe to be fair to them, maybe that's a testament to the music because I was more focused on that. Mm-hmm. So like, but it also could just be because the lyrics are pretty forgettable. Sure. Yeah. I mean, which is just average. I mean, it's just a five. Yeah, I was. There was say, nothing bad. There were a few things. I thought the, the the last album had a questionable spot or two. Enough that I actually uh, wrote like eh, some questionable, like just a two or four. That's fair. That's fair. I, you know what? That's fair. By the time the by the time the third album was coming around, I wasn't lyrically thinking anymore because it was a step down all around for me. It was. Yeah. So I, I'm fine lowering them a little bit for it. All right. Let's move on to White Snake. I'm sorry, nothing in the X Factor, Nick? We had nothing. Oh, sorry. I just we didn't even talk I looked about at it, it and I put in a zero and I was like, yeah, there's nothing here. <laughs> okay. Well, now but, that now that we've discussed it, yes. because we are thorough, we are. let's move on to Whitesnake. Very good. Whitesnake are an English hard rock band formed in London in 1978. And uh, they were active from 1978 to 1990, 1994, 1997. And then 2003 to the present day. Whew, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, we covered three of their albums. We started off with Trouble, which came out in 1978. We followed it up with White Snake, the eponymous album, which came out in 1987. Uh, alarm bells should be going off there <laughs> for anybody who knows Nick. And then we followed that up with Flesh and Blood. From 2019, which I will say, a wide mix of decades. Yeah, to be listening right. to White Snake. You're very right. <laughs> so, I guess it's my turn to go first. Yes, sir. I get to talk about Trouble. Who? Okay. White Snake was interesting for me all the way through. You know some White Snake. Everybody has heard at least one White Snake song. Yes. We will get to it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get there first. But it gives you a very definitive idea of what you're about to hear. 
And this just felt like... uh, This just felt like a group that was getting ready for that. Like, Mm. like, it's hard to explain because, like, it's not quite the glam rock, glam metal sound that you're going to get in the 80s. But at the same time, it's like... They're, it's like the dress rehearsal for that is the best way I can put it. Like, I'm definitely hearing some more of the theatrical stuff. So I guess I'll get it out of the way. This is a group that's a spinoff of Deep Purple, basically. David Coverdale yeah. uh, kind of started this group. And with a more theatrical tone than Deep Purple, which was more of like, a, a, I guess, a metal-ish but hard-rocked sound from Deep Purple with a lot more melodious of a sound. Mm -hmm. This is more of that hard rock, bluesy, you know, getting towards glam sound. And it's not bad. It's enjoyable at times. Those are all good sounds to go together. And I, I was definitely impressed with... I was impressed because it exceeded my expectation. I think that's kind of what it boils down to is I was almost impressed in spite of myself because I was expecting this to come out of the gate and be just like super cheesy glam rock. And it wasn't yet, but I could smell the cheese like around the corner. Uh, And also they did a weird cover of Day Tripper that was not, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. Mm. Uh, for me personally. Sure. So all in all, this was an album that exists and was surprising to me in that it wasn't quite as cheesy as I thought it would be. I expected them to be decent musicians. I knew who was involved in the group, so I wasn't expecting them to sound bad. But I was a little surprised that it was a bit more authentic than I expected. Yeah, for sure. So, like, I de- I wasn't expecting this at all. So, I knew two things about White Snake. Here I go again, and that it was something that David Coverdale did when he left Deep Purple. Yeah, I had no idea how their early albums were going to sound like a lot more like Deep Purple than they were White Snake of 1987. Sure, yeah. So for me, like the relief that came with that. <laughs> It was such an. It was so nice. I was like, "Oh was my like god, this is actually relief. like really cool." It's a blues yeah. rock album. I can get behind that. I can just kind of like jam out with you guys for a while. Uh, and John Lord was on the on the keys. Like, I had no idea oh, yeah, John Lord true. played with this group at all because uh, obviously he doesn't. By the time, yeah, you know, when they, they become white, yeah. But uh, like, he's great. He sounded great. Like David Coverdale is. is a great singer. Oh yeah, he he is phenomenally talented. So yeah, I think that's for sure. If overlooking like the the lyrics and the themes, uh, things like that with the album, yeah, the, the it's very it, it's very fun to listen to instrumentally. Uh, and so that was good. Yeah. Like I said, a little bit of fun, but you can right. if, if you if you try to take a big whiff, you smell that cheese right around the corner sure. and what's coming for sure. And so we move on to Whitesnake, which basically I believe this is the point where they decided to like really reevaluate the direction that they were going as a group and to re-record some some old songs and then, you know, label them the, the 87 version. Um, the two being Crying in the Rain and Here I Go Again. Uh, and they really ran with the hair metal thing. Oh, yeah. Because that's what was popular. Um, but I will say this, like, this is the album that I was totally expecting from White Snake. Uh, and I think I just had prepared myself for the worst and it wasn't the worst. Like it was, it was cheesy. It was, it was a little over the top in the way that all those eighties albums are over the top, but compared to the way that some other groups did it and some other songs, I'm like, okay, they're not the worst at this. They're not not the worst at hair metal. It's not extreme hair metal. Like. You know, you're just. I mean, the band on... extreme, right? Yeah. Oh my God, they were the worst thing that ever. <laughs> it's happened. not extreme, or extreme. Yes, extreme would be a little too extreme. Um, 
But like at the end of the day, I was like, so they latched onto the popular style of the time, and it was formulaic, and it wasn't really that unpleasant to listen to though. And despite the the style of the songs, David Coverdale can still sing. Man, he is so good. Yeah, I mean, listen, anybody should tell anybody with any experience listening to this podcast should kind of understand that this is a good album. If Nick didn't sit here and cry tears of sadness <laughs> for being forced to listen to a glam metal album from the yeah. 80s because that is Nick's like least favorite thing to do pretty much. Uh with the exception of I would argue like late 20 teens to 2020s pop. Mm. Uh I would say 1980s glam metal is is right yeah, up there sure. on his list of hated things you're to right. listen to. And I agree with a lot of what you're saying. It's it's not bad. It's much more expected. It's cheesy. It's corny. It's very theatrical and stuff. So I I don't hate it as much as you do because obviously and as I didn't a theater person. Yeah. I genuinely didn't <laughs> dislike it. Right, which is good. And I'm saying, like, obviously as a theater person, I enjoy theatrical things. I enjoy that like suspension of disbelief which is all this kind of is mm-hmm. i will say like messaging wise again we're getting a little <laughs> it's just a little on the nose i think sometimes think? uh where it doesn't need to quite be like we get it you're horny like it's fine yeah <laughs> i i understand yep. <laughs> like that's what it just said it just sounds like the entire album which a lot of albums in the 80s and stuff are just like, I want to have sex. I want right. to have sex with girls. Like, I, that's all it mm-hmm. sounds like to me. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I didn't dislike it. Uh, regardless of messaging, it was it was fine. And maybe even good at times. Sure, yeah. And I And that's all I listened to. I, uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually listen to the third one. No, I listened right. to the third one. It came out in 2019. It's 59 minutes long, and I'll never get those 59 minutes back. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> real talk. Like, seriously, I feel like we were being very kind to White Snake. Yep. Which gives me a little bit of the wherewithal to say this album sucked. It was really bad. It was From really a, it, bad. Like, I have never had I mean, I'm, I'm, that's not true. I'm not going to say never. But this is a group that very much surprised me by being a group that exceeded my expectations and then vastly exceeded where I thought the floor would be. Yes. Like, I was like, yes. I, it, it like spent two full albums getting my hopes up. Like, the first album, okay, like, this isn't what I expected, but I don't hate it. I'm excited. Like, David Coverdale can really sing. That sounds good. The second album, this is exactly what I expected, but done really well. And then this is a steaming pile of garbage where it's just like technically hard rock, heavy metal, but everything is just done so poorly and it's it's really just not a good album. I don't know what else to tell you. All of the songs are cheesy and bad and they sound bad also and it's just a bad time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, everything that I was afraid that the album Whitesnake would be, this wasn't so much worse. Yeah. It is every terrible thing you can think of about hair metal or anything that you could critique about hair metal. And then, like, that was how they designed the song specifically (laughs) to do all of those things that that people would criticize. I mean, it was. It, it sounded like the worst hair metal band of all time. Of like all thirteen-year-olds had professional musicians write a satire of what that band was. That's how. Bad <laughs> That's it was. a really good analogy. <laughs> Thank you. It was bad. Yeah, I, I. Here's what I'll say. I would have been really interested to have heard the album that came. Uh, before that, because it was the Purple album, and it was all covers of Deep Purple songs, and I would have been much more interested to listen to that. Yeah. The points they would have lost for releasing a cover album 
are nothing compared to the points <laughs> they lost in my heart from this album. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, <clears throat> yeah. All right. Let's just grade them. <laughs> yeah. So I, here's the thing. They're a name. They're a name yeah. that people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, they are more than a one hit wonder. Even though here I go again is a huge it's a song. Big one, yeah. But there were a couple other songs on that album that had some success as well. Right. They were. They're who. They're part of the groups that I think of when I think of like the glam hair metal. Exactly. Times. So they definitely get more than just the one. Uh, they're they're. In terms of their mainstay and their longevity, I don't know how high we're going to necessarily go. Yeah, it was a, well, because here's the thing. When they finally got into the hair metal scene in 87, it didn't have much longer in terms of popularity. Like, no. Nirvana was right around the corner. True. The, the question is, when we're comparing them to other groups, uh, we have extreme in the hair metal time the right. bands that we've done or just bands from this episode we have 10 cc which got sure you know around a three yeah and are they above that? definitely more popular in the united states yes but i'm saying like worldwide recognition uh definitely not as consistently i would say right. although they did have some british sales um i don't know it might be about the same at That's, the end of i was kind of thinking right about the same score thing. They're yeah. like for like the opposite reason, not as big right. worldwide, but bigger in America, and less know. consistent, and a little less, yeah, a little less consistent. All right, breadth of work. Well, they're going to start out with thirteen albums, thirteen five point eight points, and I think yeah. they have enough sales that they got to go to at least like a six one. Just on White Snake alone was eight times platinum in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, all of these things are very truth fact. You are telling truths. Yeah. So 6.1. And here's what I'm going to do. I am going to give them nothing really for the album White Snake. I'm going to give them plus five for the album uh, Trouble. And then I'm going to give them minus six uh, for (laughs) Flesh and Blood. Fair enough. Uh, Yeah. So you're at a minus. They're at six total now. Yeah. I I really I can't stress enough how how mid plus I was on the first two albums. <laughs> like if it was just the first two albums, I probably would have been like, I'll give them a point one. Right. But like, damn, that last album was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> like, uh, like I want to go back to the Violent Femmes creeping at the meeting. <laughs> album like that's i want to go back there now i i want to i want i want everyone to just crap in their napkins again. <laughs> like let's go back to simpler times they were um, better times they were better times no i probably would minus one as well i i okay. they were so bad like that last Five album really hurt this. them it did but here's what it didn't really hurt as much their instrumental talent which is this is yeah. a group that is good this is a group that is for sure good um, Coverdale is definitively great. Yeah, Coverdale is definitely the best singer on this episode. I oh, mean, yeah. bar not. I mean, spoiler alert for the Georgia Satellites. Yeah, but he's the best singer on this episode for sure. Uh, also, on that first album, you you're getting John Lord, who yeah. is and he played with them for like four or five <laughs> yeah. records though. And Ian Pace <laughs> was in on some of those records too. Who is the drummer in Deep Purple, uh, and he's very good. Yeah, so you're getting a lot of really talented musicians. And you're getting a good showcase, uh, especially on those first two albums. Yeah. And then if you pretend that last album didn't exist, it's a really it's it's really really good. Yeah. But I still think you have to be in like the sixes for a group like this. It, you just I have to be. I think you do. I think you do as well. But I think you're you definitely lose a little bit because of yeah what happened. But mm-hmm. I would be fine being again like maybe in the lower sixes. I like a six three. A 6-3 is okay. I will accept that. Very good. Songwriting. Here's what I'm going to say. I wasn't writing home about the songwriting on the first No. Album. It was fine. As far as hair metal goes, I think their second album is about as good as songwriting and hair metal is ever going to get. Which is still mid. Uh, sure. Right. 
but I think they did that genre better than anyone I've heard do it mm-hmm. on that record. And then the last one was was bad. It was bad. So we're talking I'm, like mid, mid, and then bad. Yeah. I would even say like slightly above mid on the first two. Okay. Okay. I don't want to go terribly low score. because like. I'm not trying to go terribly low. 13 albums is already good. Right. And you're getting I mean, a lot of consistent quality up until that last one. You do have a cover album as well. Sure. Which is something to think about, even though technically they wrote the co- I mean, yeah. It's, and also, that's like, a gray area. It, it's a gray area. And it was one album out of 13. So there's still 12 albums right. working. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing of day, a lot of negative. At the end of the day, I think I still need to be in the fours. Okay, I'm I'm fine with that. You're not you're not yeah disappointing me. Um, up to uh, where in the fours? I will let you be the judge. So I think with thirteen albums, uh, I'm gonna choose to not knock the cover album because yeah. of who they're covering. Yeah, like it's hard to knock the it's members reasonable. of Deep Purple in a different uniform yeah. for covering Deep Purple songs. Uh, I can't, so I won't. Sure, uh, I will knock the last album. For sure. Uh, very, very harshly. And I will give them a 4.7. Very good. Uh, and Poetic Talent, I'd be okay if we went lower. Yeah, we absolutely <laughs> should go lower. Uh, here's the thing. As I said, regardless of how good the music sounded and interesting and the, the vocal sounded good and the, and the instrumentalist sounded good, and it was surprising how the genre didn't sound as cheesy as we thought it would early on. Right. Every song is about, like, I'm horny. Uh, yeah. Like, either I'm horny and want to have sex with you, or like, I love you like no one will love you. Like, it's just so yep. exactly what you think it's going to be. Makes you want to throw up a little bit. Yeah, like, come on. It's So I'm lower on this one. Uh, again, it's not sure. necessarily awful. So I would be fine right. giving them like a four. Because it's not awful. It is just... Yeah, exactly what you expect. But That's like, fine. I'm saying threes. like I'll give him a three eight. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. A three eight. I was at a four. You're at a three eight. A three nine. It is then. Okay. Very. And that's good. a comfortable spot. And then X Factor. I won't. I won't gloss over it. Is there anything that you'd like to? Uh, not uh, I mean, I was looking. Here? I don't think so. I mean. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything specific. If you had something specific, I got nothing at all. Yeah. Do we want to? Do we want to on air talk about that cover of that album and have our audience? Oh go yes, look at sure. That? Go ahead. Uh, not an X Factor point at all, but no, uh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely an NSFW warning here. Uh, to go look at the album Love Hunter, their second album. And check out that cover because it it shook me. I was not expecting that to be a cover that was just like around and sold places. Yeah, granted, it's better than some. Yeah, but uh, it is it is definitely a a woof. That's what I'll say. Uh, But yeah, no X Factor points for them. Okay, very good. Then uh, let's close things out with the Georgia Satellites. The Georgia Satellites are an American southern rock band from Atlanta, Georgia. And we uh, we covered them as they were active from 1980 to 1984, then again from 1985 to 1990, and then again from 1993 until the present day. <clears throat> now, I will say they were also known for... Uh, for one of our regular listeners, they were known as Keith and the Satellites. That's right. So, uh, hey, shout out to Keith. Apparently, you were a member of the Georgia Satellites. And uh, as we move into their albums we covered, uh, we covered three of them. There wasn't many more than the three we covered. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we covered their eponymous debut, Georgia Satellites. So uh, we got we got three eponymous albums. Two of them were debuts. And honestly, Love I'll take it. that. <clears throat> Absolutely. We followed that up with Open All Night, and then we closed it out with Shaken Not Stirred. So, Nick, go ahead and uh, 
Take us in to Georgia Satellites. Well, this is a band that's known for one hit, and it was the first song on the record. And we love when this happens. Uh, Oh, do we? Yeah. Uh, Well, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. But in this particular case, here's what I'll say. Uh, After Keep Your Hands to Yourself, the rest of the album is pretty much on par. Um, You know, it was was well-reviewed because the songs were fun, not because they were, like, crazy innovative or anything like that. Um, They they all played very solidly. There were some nice guitar leads in there by Rick Richards. Uh, it's, It's an album that didn't break you know, any new ground at all. But I could see why it would probably be like refreshing to hear this album in 1986 compared to everything else that's popular. So I get why it got popular and and it was good. Yeah. I mean, what else is there really to say? (laughs) It was, I didn't dislike it. I didn't dislike it at all. It was just, I, I've heard the song Keep Your Hands to Yourself mm-hmm. and a, a band called The Georgia Satellites with that song. I just, I had expectations and they met them. Yeah, exactly. I was very whelmed. Like, I was like, this mm-hmm. is what I expected this to be. They're doing, they're doing it justice, I guess. They're doing a job of it. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I don't have anything negative to say, uh, but I also don't have anything super positive uh, it maybe to your point, maybe there was a little bit of like a breath of fresh air in the world of like glam rock, glam metal, heavy metal. That this right. you and know like very prototypical and southern rock sound right. came through and was good. <clears throat> but that's pretty much it. Uh, I will say that they they did a, a cover of "Every Picture Tells a Story," which is a Rod Stewart song. Right. Rod the Bod. And uh it Rod was okay. It was fine. Yeah. It's uh, it <laughs> pretty much it. It was it was it was fine. Yeah. Uh so I'll take us into Open All Night, which uh, it was technically a different album. <laughs> uh <laughs> well said. Very I well mean said. I to be very kind. You could have told me that this was the exact same album, the B-side of it, and I would have fully believed you. It sounded exactly the same. Uh, all of the music sounded the same. It, they did a cover a whole lot of Shaken, which made me kind of hate them a little bit. Uh, no no fault of their own. It was a fine right. cover, but you know how I feel about the person sure. who sings that song. Uh, <laughs> so... That's pretty much it. It was it was good. Again, it was good. It was like a country southern rock album. It was exactly they stayed in their lane. They're a group yep. that fully stayed in their lane, and that's fine. Yeah. It was fine. Exactly. I, I fully agree. Again, I thought there were a few good solos mixed in there, but it was otherwise the same exact album as the first one, with one exception, which I actually really liked. They covered the Beatles song don't pass me by which is one of the the, one of the ringo songs from the white album and their southern blues rock take on it as the georgia satellites i thought was like a really fun and refreshing cover of the song i actually i really enjoyed that like uh they were mainly a a big bar band and and stuff like that and then they they got their lucky break and like i could totally hear that as being one of their popular covers it's like Oh, it's our take on this song that doesn't really sound much like this at all. And I think that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I I, uh, I forgot to mention that, but yes, I, I do agree with you. Now you got to take us into oh, Shaking Not oh Stirred. Yeah, I was like, wait, are you? I talked to so you. We've only done it. this for five seasons. I mean, it's... I've truly it's forgotten the, the whole format. Okay, <laughs> so Shaking Not Stirred. Uh, they changed their vocalist... And then they re-recorded all the songs that were on their first three albums, plus a cover of the Hippie Hippie Shake by the Dave Clark Five. <laughs> and, it, it, okay, it was all the same songs again. Um, 
<laughs> so, okay, I guess. Um, here's what I'll say. I think the singer that they replaced the original singer with was maybe, maybe he was like classically a little bit better of a vocalist, but also a worse vocalist for this band in particular and the yeah. sound that they needed to cultivate. I think that is accurate. Yeah. Uh, basically, this album came on about four songs in. It did, in <laughs> fact, take four songs. Sure. I was like, wait a minute. Am I listening to this? Did I, did I make a mistake? Right. And then was like, no, I did not. They made a mistake. <laughs> uh, why am I here? What is happening? Uh, yeah, I think part of the problem is... Similar to, like, summer reading in school, we listen to these albums whether we are in the mood to or not. Right. We have to for the podcast. Right. And most of the time I try not to let that color my opinion. And most of the time it doesn't. Like, most of the time I can find (laughs) things to like or not like. The one thing that bugs me is when I have to listen to the same song over and over again. Right. Like, with very few exceptions. Uh, an exception that popped into my head right now was when we listened to Is do Somewhere Over the Rainbow and it was two mm-hmm. different styles. Yeah, for sure. That was interesting. Right. When it's the same song just sung by a different person in the same band but done the same way and it's an entire album, I'm over it. Yep. So I was a little negative on that one. I was I was a little like, hey, WTF, why are we here, Georgia yep. Satellites? Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> and that's kind of where yeah. I where I landed with them. That's all that needs to be said. Let's grade them. Okay. Well, they're a one-hit wonder, and I don't think they're going to get changed at all. It's just the one. They get the one point. Their breadth of work is, here's the thing. It's four albums, but it's three albums, and I'm only giving them credit for three albums. Yes. I don't care what the formula says. It's three. It's so they're three. two and a half. Yeah. And their album went platinum. So it doesn't lose anything, and uh, they're not going to lose anything for me. They're just a two and a half. They're a two and a half. That's all they are. Okay, good. I'm glad that we agree. Instrumental talent, though, we are. I think is solid. We are flying through the Georgia satellites. Let's, we are. Let's slow it down. I'm sorry. Let's break I it know down. It's song by song. Song by song. Yeah, right. So here's <laughs> what I thought about the first one. Now, here I heard enough on the guitar for me to be a five point one. That's what I'll say okay. about the instrumental talent of this group. Listen, I I don't disagree that they're pretty much average. You want to go a little bit above average, I'm okay with that. Yeah, just um, I thought, realistically, they were, they were fine for like a blues, southern rock yeah. band. I'm fine giving you the 5.1. Okay. Songwriting? I'm... Here's the thing that's tugging at me. Okay. Because two and a half is pretty much where I'm going to land. Yeah. Because one, it was formulaic and, you know, not particularly creative. But it was also doing that thing when that thing wasn't the popular thing to do. And it felt like it was kind of pushing back against the zeitgeist just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so at that crossroads, I feel like I'm happy sitting at two and a half again and not moving them. Uh, I could live there. I I would be fine. I understand where you're coming from. This isn't a group that's going to knock it out of the park either. So like, I'm fine giving them a little bit of a bone here. Sure. Because uh, you know that that we're kind people at heart. We are. We are truly. And then poetic out. Maybe doesn't need to be like the full two and a half, but it doesn't need to be much more. Uh, well, here's the thing. This is a southern rock album. Uh, southern blues. Blues doesn't really do a lot of vocal stuff. For that reason, I'd be fine being at like a two. Okay. Two. <laughs> yes. I was really debating if I wanted to put a point there, and I didn't. No. So a two. Okay. So then that just begs the question. Uh, X Factor, perhaps? Uh you know, after a long 
talk with my uh, circle of advisors here mm-hmm. uh, at the yeah. Council of Totem Talks. Right. I'm going to have to say we have all agreed, right, guys? Uh, a zero. I, a, a zero, zero is, for X Factor. What's appropriate? Yeah. Okay. Well, then a zero is what they will receive. And I have five scores for you today. Oh, boy. The group that came in third place. Nope, I did it wrong. Winner, winner. Is the wrong one. Disregard. Oh, no. Disregarding. Disregard. Okay. Disregarding. Third place. Here we go. You loser. That would be the Georgia Satellites with a 13.1. You know, that's okay, though. It's okay. It's I believe fine. in them still. Maybe, maybe, it is what maybe it is. next time. It's where it belongs. Oh, that's harsh. I, oh, I'm sorry. It's, that's... it's where they belong. I wanted it to sound comforting, but it sounded oh, so much worse. It sounded so much worse. All right. Uh, and winning this week's episode. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Is 10cc with a 27 even. I have a feeling. I really do. Go ahead. I don't know what White Snake's score was. Mm-hmm. And I know that they are going to get a lot of points for. Uh, I know that 10CC got a lot of points for songwriting. Yeah. But I feel like if that third album didn't exist, White Snake had a chance. Well, I'll tell you, White Snake had a 23.8. So it would have been pretty tough. It would to have get been close. 3.2 points. That yeah. You're right, but yeah. it would have been close. But it, it would have been closer for sure. Probably like a full point closer. And that's so yeah, congrats to 10 CC. Yeah. We're wrapping things up. I think next week we're going to have a very uh, hotly contested season finale for season five. <laughs> that is true. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. It is. Now, do, do I tell the folks at home who who's competing? You want, you don't want to tell them all of them. You want to tell Not them a, one of them. Just one. Just one. Don't even let them know. All right. Nah. I mean, you want to let uh, Nick, I'll it's tell up you to this. You. I'll tell you this. One of the groups is named after a top five metropolitan area in the United States in terms of population. And another one of the groups uh, is an acronym for the two different types of uh, electricity uh, when it's flowing into your home and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, I think. I think that works. I, well, yeah, I, that's, good. Definitely... that's going to be the competition. Well, hold on now. You're you're not being fair to the third act. I'm fair enough. Perhaps the third act will be right up there with them. I just think yeah. that's going to be the the main event. I, I would we'll agree. see. It's going to be a very interesting, uh, a very interesting episode for sure. Just like this episode was, and it was uh, a big a big thank you for hanging out with us here as we crowned 10cc the winner in our penultimate episode uh make sure some fun stuff coming up after uh next week's episode so next week is our season finale it's a it's a big one it's going to be an interesting one for sure and after that we're going to have our typical awards show we're going to have our best of the rest episode we're going to have those two to kind of close out the episode the rest this, this year it is going to be a fun best of the rest. And after the best of the rest, do not be alarmed. Uh, we are taking a small hiatus. Uh, we've established this. We've kind of talked about it before. We're going to basically be taking, I think it's going to end up being four weeks uh, of of release as well. So four okay. weeks of release times to kind of regroup and revamp for season six. Season six is going to be a different format. Correct. Just to mix it up a little bit, I feel like the three, the three artist structure has gotten a little stale for us. So I think we're going to mix it up. We're going to go more head to head and do a little bit more of a deeper dive, as in like more of a direct comparison between the two. Right. Uh, moving forward, so that's kind of our goal. And each episode and will have some sort of theme between the yes. two of them, why they're being matched up head to head. Even if it's a vague which, theme, it's a theme. Which will be fun. Yeah. And I and, and obviously we're open to we're open to notes and we're open to interpretation. So if there's something you have ideas about for us, 
uh, moving into a season like that or any ideas for any of our non-linear episodes or anything like that, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, you can reach out directly to any one of us, either one of us, uh, or you can use uh, the hashtag Totem Talks on social media, or you can go on our Totem Talks Instagram or just our, you know, low underscore totem Instagram as well. Just message us somewhere. Give us your ideas. Give us your feedback. We thrive on feedback. And we are excited to uh, to have a chance to, uh, to revamp and regroup and Indeed. come back even stronger. So uh, I'm going to uh, sign us out here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, make sure that you stay tuned and uh, come back next week as we wrap things up. And uh, make sure while you're listening to all of our episodes, you have a great day. Mm-hmm.